soft island breeze What has happened to me Saw the wind blowing through your hair As you were facing the sea The island pulls you in Beaches that you've never been Can only be one place you're at people that you meet welcome you to on this episode of playtime Ray Grant just can't quit he talks about music and persevering through a lifelong career in the arts and a tribute to a blues man and a dear dear friend Chip Ratliff I'm your host WC Turk we walked along Rainbow Beach turquoise water Met the sand Off to King Bay Where we sail away Get to Buck Island Soon as we can Take off and drive Island cuisine is alive While Gertrude so I've got a little bit of an introduction here. Let me uh, let me go with that, and we'll we'll get started, and we can kind of freeform it. There's a few things that uh, that I want to ask you. I think I think your journey. First of all, we've never really told your journey in any substantial or uh, in any detail, right? Uh, yeah, and I'd like I'd like to tell you. Yeah, and I think there's a lot in there that pertains directly to to the conversation that we had the other day. So let me start here. Last month, I had a conversation with Grammy-winning Leo Sayer, who, after a 14-year hiatus, returned with some of his best music to date. Closer to home, Smashing Pumpkins performed a new album, Zeitgeist, released in 2009. Like Sayer, the Pumpkins sported some of their, their strongest material to date, the tour, like the album, went nowhere. Grammy-nominated Ray Grant had a powerful reaction on my piece with Leo Sayer. Like Sayer and the Smashing Pumpkins, Ray has entered a new phase of his career with some of his very best music. However, clubs and venues allowing an artist to explore and experiment are a dying breed with an emphasis on guaranteed draw that makes it difficult for artists to try out new material before an audience, a must for any performer Grant has turned to island music and we'll get uh we'll we'll get a, a definition on that in just a moment uh which uh i describe as moody introspective and airy pieces his website is raygrantchicago.com how's it going ray uh great bill how you doing it, it's it's great for for an october day it is a little bit Doesn't gloomy, it? But it's so good to hear your voice uh yeah. we, we've been through a lot and uh it's good to, good to hear your voice. <laughs> it's been a hell of a year, brother. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> there were some bad storms last night, on, uh, especially on the south and northwest sides. Did you catch any of that? Caught some of it. Caught the high winds and a bit of rain, but I think further south of me is where they really 
about it, but yeah, weather this year just been so unpredictable. The climate's changing. It's just hard for them to predict weather anymore on on a, a continuing basis. They predict snow or ten inches, five inches. You get one inch. It's very hard. So yeah, things are changing in in the environment. It's a, it's it's a little crazy. Um, yeah. I'm I'm kind of a weather geek. My my last corporate job uh, was in in logistics, and and I pioneered for for that company uh, a weather component. Um, but also uh, part of my job was to was to was to try to get equipment on to a couple of cross polar flights, in particular going from Chicago to Hong Kong. And and that is that's that's affected greatly by magnetism and and the magnetosphere that uh, where we get all the uh, those those beautiful um, northern lights. But that affects compasses and navigation for those planes and and can restrict cargo, which. I, I saw. I saw you've got a you've got an air cargo background, but it restricts cargo, and uh, and so it was sort of this this guessing game and building a statistical algorithm in order to guarantee or try to guarantee a a, a frequency of of equipment on those on those flights. Yeah, now, this is talking interesting away. stuff, but no, it, you're right. I used to be involved in. I owned an air freight company at one point in my mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. The positioning of containers on flights going overseas, uh, the positioning of weight and, and live load uh, is so extremely important for uh, safety and weather plays yeah. a huge factor in it. So, you know, it's very important for for these people that are loading and the pilots that are just getting people on airplanes. So, so uh, yeah. you, you, uh, just on an audio for an audio note, you're you're kind of fading in and out a little bit. I think okay. probably I, I can't see you, but as maybe as you as you lean away a little bit from uh, from your microphone, it might have an automatic shut off. Or uh, how's how's this? Is it you, better? You sound wonderful there. Okay, this is where I'll be then. Nail yeah, so your it... shoes to the floor. Don't move. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> So yeah, it is important, but things are changing, and I hear you know yeah. I hear local weather reports from Tom Skilling and and, uh-huh. and Brandt, and they struggle to try and you know to try and get it right. But uh, yeah, certainly out there. Yep, and uh, but uh, but I'm I'm glad you got through it uh, uh, well yesterday. Um, nope. Not not the I'm... least of which for this conversation, brother. No, um, and, I know. And and uh, on another note, before I get too too deep into our conversation. Uh, the Playtime Show uh, with me and Carrie Kendall uh, really was kind of a family uh, with regulars like Mark Larson, Ronnie Marmo, Paul Glazer, you, Ray, uh, David Witter, George Menisco with The Virginian, this this wonderfully talented young lady, Soul, and her great mom, Gizzo Villanueva from Chai City Cipher, and our, and our anti-violence initiative, so many others, these people we all truly considered family still do uh yesterday we we lost one of those family members a blues man chip ratliff which is uh, 
it's it's hard to find a harder working musician who never made a dime on music and he didn't care. It was all about the music for Chip. He was a consummate uh, stage performer and and just he he was he was fantastic. And I just wanted That's to remember one of the him. things we're going to be talking about is yeah is the feeling uh, yeah. is the is the real musician the real the real uh, dedicated people. Yeah, hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know Chip, by the way? I'm oh, sorry, you dropped out there again, brother. Yeah, I said I've known people him, but I have, I never did get the opportunity to meet him. Gotcha. Gotcha. He, he was he was a wonderful guy, and uh, and uh, it, it it kind of if it, it fits uh, the memorial aside, it fits into the conversation that we're going to have. But so I mentioned island music before before we we dive into the meat of this. What is island music, man? Well. Island music is a feeling just like anything else uh, uh-huh. that I stumbled into. I have taken several trips to the uh, Virgin Islands and, and different. Each one allowed me to get the feeling of the people and the feeling of the island and what it offers. And so, you know, when I write music, I just, the most important thing about it is to have something that affects you so that it actually makes sense and it makes, makes it more mm-hmm. easier to get your point across. And these islands, I, I came back a couple years back and I was in St. Crow. I was with my collaborator, girlfriend sandy yeah who you know uh-huh. and she asked she said she said why don't you concentrate on something that uh would come to you on the beauty of these islands soft island breeze what has happened to me saw the wind blowing through your hair as you were facing the sea the island pulls you in beaches that you've never been can only be one place you're at people that you meet welcome you to the land they know it's paradise understand I sat down and started writing some music and ended up you know actually writing different songs mm-hmm. and and I did it because of the beauty and the experience that I had. Hmm. I, I was not looking for a different road in publishing or or getting music out because yeah. it's a road that uh, I've been doing my whole life. And, uh-huh. you know, uh, I've had some, some good success in my uh, startup career with that. 
not get into that in a minute, but I want to get back on track. Mm-hmm. So I wrote I wrote these songs, and the, the two songs that I wrote, one was um, Siesta Key was the first one, wasn't it? Actually, Siesta Key was a, a latter song. Was the third okay. one? Okay. Um, Saint John's was one. Got it. And and Croy was uh-huh. another. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing the music. And during the time I was writing the music, I was struggling to try and get my thought process on what I really wanted to get across in the music. So Sandy, and who collaborates on every song, said, let's stop a second. And why don't you write what you experienced? Why don't you write the places that come to your mind and and talk about it? Yeah. And so... In St. Croix, uh, it just started coming. It started flowing. And I remember places that, you know, I experienced, I went to. I remember different scenic areas. I remember food areas. I remember people, the Crucian people. And so I put the song together. And I'll tell you, you know, a writer knows when he has something that's really a, a good good sound and i i just knew it i i just felt that the sound of that song was great and mm-hmm. the words of that song actually emulated every single thing that great about that island yeah down the road we go and i and i said you know this would be great maybe i could send the song to someone at the island and uh see what they think so once again it's not a matter of who you know or whatever. You just start looking things, and they have a uh, they have a consul. Actually, everything is through the governor and through the island ministry. Mm-hmm. And I sent a copy of the song to the island ministry. Never heard anything. But you know, you may want to take a listen to this. It's your local people mm-hmm. and up above. And then you know, lo and behold. Um, I hooked up with somebody and started writing more music and they started liking it. We ended up going back, different radio stations uh, were playing it. And as I was just telling her no more than a week ago, I said, I think I've reached my apex on writing island music. And she uh-huh. goes, no, you're not, you're not done. And, and sure as, sure as heck, you know, there's, there's another couple songs one actually is is almost done that's coming out on the islands that we went to this time we went to an island called Eureka and uh spanish wells uh-huh. and these were remote islands so they offered different things for, for different people but to be honest bill i can tell you i could be in bed and mm-hmm wake up and something that has happened comes to me and I'll get up and start jotting down some notes or I put it on a recorder. And, um, and I, I believe, I don't know this for a fact because I have never had any professional person say you're a writer and you're good. Uh, right. Not so much as you're good, you're a writer, but you know what writers are? They're people that have the talent enough to something down mm-hmm. in a meaningful way and in in the case of me it's putting it into music 
Mm-hmm. Well, I consider myself, you know, I consider it a gift and I consider myself fortunate because it's good. You, know, you either know it's good or it's not, it's good. So that's that's what I do. And you, you have all my music. I mean, you know, I've wrote many, many songs, but. Uh, I have genres, all your music, buddy. <laughs> the genres are different. And so that led me to, you know, I was listening to your your simulcast and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. listening to Leo. And I just said to myself, you know, I, here's a guy that in the day, you know, he was he was in, in, rocking in his game, you know, mm-hmm. managed through whatever source, get picked up by a record company. Yeah. And and have some good success with it and the drought because things change um and you know uh, so so let's do this that's great segue but i want to backtrack a little bit and tell a little bit more of your story because i think i think your story is a great example of of the process and nuance to start us with with this discussion, uh, and then we, we can build into it. How's how's that sound? That's great. Uh, oh, by, by the way, you just got back from the uh, from from the Caribbean, right? I was out there for five weeks. Right, Ray. Where did your life go so wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you where it went wrong. You get to be my age, and you say to yourself, "If the good Lord is kind enough to give you." the health to do something and you want to do it, then you have to do it. There's no no waiting for the right time, you know, and get the message loud and clear because you you, you get older, it's up to you what goes on, you know. That's true. That's true. Uh, And so you also mentioned, uh, I just want to, I just want to get this, this mention in of Island music that you, you gave it as, as an early example, uh, Wave by Frank Sinatra. So close your eyes, for that's a lovely way to be Aware of things your heart alone was meant to see The fundamental loneliness goes whenever two can dream or dream together can't deny don't try to fight the rising sea don't fight the moon the stars above don't fight me the fundamental loneliness goes whenever two can dream a dream together when I saw you first The time was half past three. When if you listen to that, you will get a picture of a calming another place that is just and and so my music, the last probably five songs I've written on in island music, each one I wanted to make sure was different enough not to Mm -hmm. uh, not to duplicate. But actually, tell an experience that I had in each one of these islands, and, and that's what they are. That's what that's what I. I suppose I'd I'd argue with you a little bit that you've always kind of been there uh, with that with that that island sound, 
with songs like uh, Broken Down Cowboy and Falling Star, which really have that airy kind of translucent feeling. Woke up last night. You know I couldn't sleep. So I walked outside my door. Looked up in the sky Saw a fallen star Just fade Into the night I heard a voice Deep inside my head Telling me What can I do Like the uh, my favorite. You, you were born in the uh, in the in the back of the yards in in yeah, Chicago in the back of the yards in Chicago and picked up uh, like everybody you know picked up a guitar when I was probably 10 years old I mean, So you're not kid. you're not admitting to the accordion lessons you know what? I'll tell you. Where I came from, it was mandatory to do two things: go to Catholic school and and take accordion. Take lessons. accordion lessons. And so, I had an older brother that um, it was a quick study on a lot of hmm. things. He picked up the accordion and, and he was he was he was rocking and rolling with it. I, yeah. I then my my dad or and my mother uh, said, you know, yeah. Let's let's get you started on accordion lessons, and I was promptly told <laughs> by the music instructor. This is funny. I was told by the music instructor on Forty Seventh and Ashland. Uh huh. And guy's name, and you may recognize him as Ed Blazoncheck. Okay. You uh, you so, you faded out there a little bit. Okay, his name is the guy that had the music studio that okay. his father his father owned. On 47th off of Ashland Avenue. Yeah. And his, his name was Ed Blazonchek. So, uh-huh. so this is really kind of cool. So, he, I go in there and he's giving me some lessons and he tells my dad, you know, <laughs> um, Ray's got a, a different way about him. And I don't know that maybe this is the right instrument or the right genre for him. Maybe wow. as he maybe as he gets older, blah blah blah. So let me tell you who this guy was. This guy became it was an all Polish neighbor. And my my mother's was Italian. My Italian, was yeah. Polish. So this guy becomes one of, if not the best Polish band. He has a band. And he travels the world, and he gets Grammy award after Grammy award. Wow! I mean, this guy, this guy was the real deal. And I became friends with him. And, and later, it's naturally you're doing, you're, you're you're playing naturally. You're not reading notes and stuff. But he goes, you know what? I would stick with this and stuff. But that was my story with with Eddie. And and he, again, he he everybody has a gig, and his he got into this Polish genre of music, and he. 
he killed it, man. He, I think he probably got four or five Grammy Awards, and they traveled all over Europe doing serious Polish polkas and music like that. So that's the story there. Now let's learn some Polish words, some things we say each day. But don't worry, we'll teach you exactly what to say. Words to say when you meet someone, phrases that can please. Phrases we're sure you can learn to memorize with these. Dzień dobry, good morning, dobranoc, good night. Jak się masz, how are you, porządku, alright. Bądź wesoł, keep smiling, ja robię, I do. To miło, it's lovely, dziękuję, thank you. full-time job uh, and then uh, made pizzas at night to, to support you and uh, and your family. Correct. Yeah, my dad, my dad worked 47 years at one place because mm-hmm. that's what you did. Then he worked midnights. Uh, he worked, you know, I, I don't know how this man did it, but he, yeah. he made pizzas and uh, he worked for a, a, a local pizza pub and he made great pizzas. And, and so he, you know, his whole life work and, and focus. And that's the way that they were raised. You, you go find a job, you stay at the job and, and that's it. So, and, and you do the right things for your family and there's no, there's no other way. And yet it was important for him. uh, And, and uh, I'm guessing your mom as well, that you guys got a cultural not just an education but a cultural education with music yeah it was they you know my my mom um was a a big fan of music and my dad was a very quiet man i I also have a sister who came 10 years later Mm -hmm. uh, he was a very quiet man I, i i got some great stories with him but you know I started a band, and this is how back when I did this in the '60s. Um, it was so much easier. It was so much. Um, it was so much more fun. Yeah. Because when you met people, if you were if you were good, you got, you got the gigs. You got you got to play, and I built. I was doing. A Neil Diamond review, and I'll uh. tell you why I was doing that. Because I would write music and play it, and no one mm-hmm. was interested in the music. But at the time, there were some great groups, great people coming up, and so I said, "You know what? Why don't I do this? Uh, I sound a bit like him when I was doing it. Yeah, I had great reviews, and started doing, and then lo and behold." It led me to going to Nashville, and from Nashville, it led me to Las Vegas. I played yeah. Caesar's, Pal- Caesar's Palace. I played the Tropicana, Broadway, and it, it led me to so many great things. And I met 
everybody that you probably know and all your <laughs> listeners out there know. And some guys were really cool and some guys were not so cool. But uh, at the time, it was it was real easy to hang out with people that were making it in, in the business. Mm-hmm. And it was easy for me. I walked into the dunes cold and I got a contract to play wow. at the dunes. I mean, I, I it was it was a matter of attitude. It was a matter of a certain look. It was yeah. a matter, you know. I actually, I actually thought I deserved to be there. So, you know, was that just, was that before or after uh, your stint in the Air Force in 1969? That was actually after. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, the shorts did there and and. That was after, but okay. Um, I played music constantly because I simply loved doing it, and I I found out that I was able to write music. I don't know why. I just was able to write music based on situations that were happening in my life. Mm-hmm. I wrote a song on my first album called uh, "The Dream," and there's a line in there that you know is absolutely epic. It it says, yeah. "When you hear them all say no." Hold your dreams and don't let go. Uh-huh. They're all I've ever had. And dream it ain't so bad. You see, you see, it's me. And I had a great set of background singers that enhanced the music. So we really thought we were something, you know, and and people liked the music. And so I started getting, you know, I, it was very weird. I would fly to Las Vegas, Bill, and actually on the airplane, and have people ask me for my autograph. And I thought, and I would say, oh, wow. going to have yours. Were you so still, this, uh, were you still Frank Genderski then, or uh, had 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 the world been introduced to Ray Grant? No, I was Ray Genderski, and it was Ray Grant. And I'll tell you how that okay. happened. Yeah, my, my mother and I went downtown, and we went to a talent agency that had heard about my music because mm-hmm. I was on channel 11 with a guy by the name of Herb Upson and yeah. he was, he had, he had this show and he had the stepbrothers on and then they had me on and they had Moulton Burl there at the time and everything. But, um, but the bottom line is I got a call from this Ellen agent and her name was, I'll never forget it. Her name was Melba Caldwell. Mm-hmm. So we go to me. My mom says, "I'll go down there. I'll go down there with you." So we go down, and I'm expecting to sign. Um, I'm expecting to sign because I, I believe the stepbrothers actually arranged it. So anyway, I go down there, and I'm thinking I'm going to sign a contract. And I get down there. My mother's sitting next to me, and this lady comes up and she says, "I've listened to your music," and she says, um, "I just want to tell you, I don't think." that you have what it takes. And wow. so she said this in front of my Italian mother. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> throw down time. Right. So <laughs> I said, I, I, I don't know what you mean. She goes, well, I don't think you have what it takes to be in this business. So my mother says, well, what do you mean? He doesn't have what it takes. Well, yeah. How did we get done? I, and, and so she goes, well, I'll keep, I'll keep this. I'll keep, your your demo tape and stuff and um we left and i was pretty down i mean you know sure there's nothing there's nothing worse than having somebody that you think yeah yeah is in the know tell you that 
you know. So there was a place called Lake Point Tower downtown. Yeah. I, I got booked to play. And one of the managers, an older gentleman, heard me play. And he goes, you know, you're really good. And he goes, I got some people that I want you to meet. And and I was reluctant. I'll be very honest with you. I was destroyed after I heard that. Oh, so, sure. And I, I managed to sign um, with a small record company. Mm-hmm. Off I went to Nashville. And from Nashville, I started getting gigs all over the place. And then to Las Vegas. So I get a call probably a year later from this office. And mm-hmm. it's her. And she would like to see me again. Because you're going to be a star. Well, I guess. She thought, <laughs> whatever. Was that, never, by the way, by the way, was that your first rejection as an artist? I or had real rejection. I'll tell you, Bill. I I had rejection my whole life. Yeah, but, I mean that's. But here's the here's the thing that bothered me the most. There, uh-huh. I figured she was really in. The, so if she's telling me I ain't right. got it, then I mustn't have it. You know, yeah, whatever it yeah. was. So I took it to heart. But fortunately for me. I just kept on doing my thing. So and yeah, I mean, I was going to say, why, why not, why not give up at that point? And go well, the writing's on the wall, but but you you didn't. You, you I never kept... did. Okay, never did. And so she called me, and she said, "I'd like to see you again." And I says, "I I said, well, you know what? I'm more than happy to meet with you, lunch or something. Yeah. But uh, I'm really not going to entertain." being signed and stuff and i i really never never met her again never seen her again but okay actually she did me a favor so so i just went on my way and i i, I did a lot of things and then stayed with the music and one of the best one of the best things that happened was my dad i was playing at places called condessa del mar out yeah. here and and there was three or four nightclubs out here so, so my dad actually in the audience i told you how quiet he is and he would say hey that's that's my son there that's my son you know and so i said you know what dad i says we're gonna go to vegas and it'll be like the g boys are going to vegas so i bought him a black suit reminded me of that scene in rain man where they're going down the escalator down Caesar's palace <laughs> right it was me and my dad, and I was playing there, and, and he was he was like so proud, and you know it's 
it stayed with me my entire life. Oh, that's that great. stayed with he 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 always would tell me whenever I would tell him, I'd say, I just did this or I just wrote this, he would always say, and so what are you gonna do about that now? He would always be pushing me. And uh I never forgot that. So that's that brought me up into into the music world and mm-hmm. met, like I said, plenty plenty of people and and then the last five years, pre-COVID, I mean, COVID just about destroyed the genres of every possible thing yeah, in our did. world. Yeah. And so I look and I see bands like uh, that are that are being booked on a continual basis that were great in their day. They made the name. And that's what Leo reminded me of. Yeah. They made the name for themselves, but they certainly can't. Can't get that type of following because they have no new music. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play at fests, they play at different clubs, like Leo was, and mm-hmm. they're trying to change. So when you when you go to these fests, all you see is like bands like the Buckinghams or Chicago or yeah. uh, uh, the Ides of March, Ario Speedwagon, and and they are. And God bless them. They're making the best do out of what they love doing. I give yeah. them a lot of credit. So yeah. what Leo reminded me of was he was redoing his genre and, and trying to, to get Roland into something on his own. But the problem yeah. is, is that if you're fantastic uh-huh. and you, you do everything correct, it is so hard to get anybody to pick you up push your music because of the nepotistic ways the music are nowadays mm-hmm. because the only way nowadays the only people that, that are really getting pushed are the people that have had extreme success either by knowing someone or by getting in the right or extreme or, marketing budgets marketing. got a story to tell that I know so well Maybe you have lived it We'll see It's a story about A broken down cowboy You know it could be you Or it could be me He rode on the trail since he was a boy With the wind blowing right through his hair The songs that he wrote They never got heard Well, I guess his time wasn't right Let me rewind a little bit because there, there are some some incredible similarities between your situation and Leo Sayer's situation. You, after after being Grammy nominated, you ended up working a number of jobs uh, and right. and businesses. So some some of which you owned, some I of which a, you, I had you three kids. Through. Yes, yes, yeah. I had to get real. Leo lost everything. And had to claw his way back, and that took, you know, the better part of 14 years. 
and then he began putting out music again, much like you have. I'm at the center of the universe I'm gonna hide here till the danger's past Don't know why I'm here Why I live in fear I'm at the center of a hurricane Feel like a desert in the pouring rain Don't know Why I live in fear Got my hand on the tiller Got a grip on the wheel But my vision is failing and My hands cannot feel And the black night is falling I found an incredible similarity in your situations that way. The other thing is both of your sounds and, and music styles have progressed and matured so so you've both grown into the music that that you would that we, you would be naturally writing at at this stage in your life instead of you know high energy pop music or uh you know teeny bopper music or any so so you're you're writing to your age and I, and I think that you guys might have might might be creating music that your audience that your old audience doesn't want to hear and and by that I mean they they haven't progressed with you they're still mired or still stuck in in that earlier music and not maturing with you not not going on the on that musical exploration with you does that make yeah. sense a little bit yeah yeah and and it, it, total sense and i want to just two things i need to, to get yeah to get my point across here yeah tell me what these following people all have in common justin bieber sting bowie dylan neil young leon russell shakira Chili Peppers, Springsteen, Neil Diamond, ZZ Top, Huey Lewis, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Lindsey Buckingham, and the Beach Boys. Tell me what they all have in common right now. I've I've got a couple of a couple of things. Uh, first of all, they they hit their heyday, but they still maintain a really strong marketing aspect. But the other thing about a lot of those uh, a lot of those not all those artists, but but a number of those artists, Sting Sting for one is he's he's matured uh and and his audience has has followed him do you agree with that i do let me tell you what the main thing on every okay. one of those people i mentioned they all sold their entire book of business to the record company okay they, every one of them realizes how the internet how things have changed and how it is almost next to impossible for them to make a living by creating music that people can really get for free 
And mm-hmm. so they mm-hmm. seen the opportunities they, and they sold their music. They sold their book of business. They sold the rights. Every one of these guys did the same thing. And so my point is, what is the next wave of music to come through and have people really get an opportunity or talented people, many, many talented people to get their music even heard? Because if these guys are wrapping it up, then what's the next step? So you've got YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Instagram, music and disco distro kid uh that you can submit your music to but they all have one uh, and i've researched this i mean i've been around enough to, to they all have one thing in common they will do what they tell you to do and they will absolutely try to promote your music at your cost so you know it becomes an artist's nightmare or dream uh, one or the other to, yeah. to actually get get their stuff heard. I, I have a uh, I have a nephew who's devoted his whole life to uh, to to playing music. He's with a band called the Lord Peters Outfit, and these you know what these guys are lucky. They're great. They're, what was the, what was the, um, uh, you, you faded out there a little bit? What was the name They're of that band again? It's the Lawrence Peters Outfit. Solid gold boys. One, two, three, four. Well, I didn't mean to go. I was walking on a summer day and suddenly the air was full of snow. And all around her memory, days I thought I'd never see again, and I found myself kind of music yeah but my nephew he actually has devoted his entire i mean he he literally when he says this is what i do that's all he does yeah so yeah but the problem is you know you you can't do much if you're playing at bars and things. you're not going to make a living and you're not going yeah. to enjoy yeah. my my thing is i would love some of these these places that the new thing right now, Bill, that I've seen mm-hmm. is the artists that are doing nothing but karaoke in in different genres. In other words, great singers, yeah, not necessarily songwriters, yeah. but there's a few artists in Chicago that I know that have got this tied up at all of the the places where people come to either eat or or Mm -hmm. just to hear some music Mm -hmm. but they're doing karaoke and they know if they said this is ray grant and he's going to be here tonight then perhaps maybe no one would show up you know so you so it's a it's a catch-22 and that's not really the case though too yeah It's, it's opportunity 
to be able to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, I played mm-hmm. at a place six months ago where there was two or three other well-known entertainers. And I did two songs. I got a standing ovation. Okay. So that tells me as a person that, you know, I'm doing the right thing for me. Yeah. It's not about, it's not about me cashing a million dollar check. Yeah. See, I'm not expecting anything like that. That's what we do. We, we don't push the music. If we need a week or two off on it, we do. But yeah. when we sit down and do it, we critique something that when we're satisfied, we take it to the studio, then the studio enhances it, and mm-hmm. then we put it out there. And, mm-hmm. and so that's pretty much where I'm coming from. You're basically just laying the music out there and and giving it and letting it, it exist on its own. Have it, letting have, it have marinate. Its own life. Yeah. Letting yeah. it marinate yeah. on yeah. my free website. Yeah. You go on my website, you don't have to pay a penny one. You can listen to any one of my new songs yeah. or yeah. previous songs for free. There's no there's no catch. Raygrandmusic.com. Correct. Raygrandchicago.com. But yeah, all, when I publish a new song, it's mm-hmm. there and it's free. And right now so, the last one I did is is on there and it's free. You know, I, I just had a conversation with, uh, with the Chicago Blues guy, Joe Ryan. And he is marketing via um, cryptocurrency, right. uh, setting up cryptocurrency accounts, and that's funding his uh, his record making and, and songwriting and and building a, a studio for him. But the the music is first and foremost, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. So all I, I, all these other marketing things are sort of are are tools. But it really comes down to the music. Speaking of oh, brother, you got you first. You have to do what I've always done. Yeah, is you hold on your dreams and you never let go. You believe in yourself. Yeah, and let the chips fall where they yeah. may. Yeah, but I'm not done, and I truly yeah. believe that my music will filter out in a way. Even when I'm gone, I mean it's. It's, you know, some of the most famous, Jim Croce. I mean, the guy, the guy couldn't get, he couldn't get a contract if his life depended on He dies and they release, his wife releases all his music and, you know, boom, yeah. you know the story. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many stories like this. I'm just here to say, hey, don't give up. I'm just here to say, hey, Bill, I love you. I'm just here to say, you know what? My music is my music. And you know what? There's only one Neil Diamond. There's only one uh, Elvis Presley. If that's what you need to get in front of people, God mm-hmm. bless you. God bless you, you know. But, you know, the, the bottom line is I think there's so many people that, that are, are going to listen to this and get what, what I'm saying. They, they know that they've got it deep inside them to produce and do music mm-hmm. and do songs and writers and photographers and book writers and people that do movies and everything, they know that, that they have these op, this obsession inside them. Yeah, and so yeah. it necessarily doesn't come down to getting signed and having the money. They just keep on trucking. They just keep on pushing. I'm trying to draw parallels to, to other genres of art. 
you you mentioned you mentioned books so if someone if someone truly loves writing mysteries and they and they have a character that they that that they truly believe tells that story better than any other character that they can that they can conjure but if they are if they are writing these formulaic novels just to just to appease that that audience that only expects that or a visual artist uh i i i'm thinking of keith herring and picasso who arguably in their later years were kind of just doing what their what their public wanted them to do you know it's like you bill you're you're a writer but you don't write what is expected you write what is facts and you write what you feel and yes yes. and so you know i think there's a lot of that out there and you know i wish i had the magic formula of saying okay well after the ray and bill conversation uh what did he tell us to do to make Mm -hmm. things like this happen and my answer is a simple one don't stop that's what i'm telling just it's the passion it's it's you know because i was going to ask you this so what happens when an audience stops growing with an with an artist, or vice versa? What happens when an when an artist stops meeting the expectations of the audience? But that that is sort of cover for passion, right? The passion Correct. of the artist. Correct. And what's so cool about about people that actually take their whatever yeah yeah want to call it craft yeah. Yeah. and they write it and they produce it and they perform it we know that that's not you know, i've often i've often told sandy i think i think i'm out of song you're never out of material if you have the talent and the will inside to put it down on paper and yeah. believe in it you're yeah. never out of material you but know, does I, the I, does does the industry and, and i'll include uh music venues in this but does the industry become its own worst enemy or become the musician's worst enemy. Uh, so uh, Danny Boy Stewart, who uh, recorded with Death Row Records, uh, was a guest on this show. It took him almost 25 years to get the album that he first recorded for Death Row, the rights to, to release that album. Expecting a draw, like like uh, we were talking about Leo Sayer. I, I, I forget what the Arcata Theater is. Uh, I think it's two or three hundred seats. 
this was this was a guy who was performing with Elton John and Correct. Uh, and and doing twenty and thirty and forty. And 50, Why I jumped on it and called you? And so, I, yeah, he was it was he was a headliner at Alpine yeah. Valley for God's yeah. sake. And I don't know I don't know what what the what the draw was at the Arcada and and I. I I, I'm not throwing our, the Arcada under under the bus here either because they've they've offered uh, a renewed life to so many different acts that might not otherwise well, be seen or he, heard. He bring him back like uh, you know he had uh, Paul Anka there. And he, yeah, he yeah. Wayne Newton there. Fog had so Fog had Savoy Brown and yeah, so many. Yeah, it's a special to any as the groups there. So no, you can't you can't. There's no fault in that. It's just that. How about maybe sometime somebody mm -hmm. says, hey, you know what? This Wednesday or this Saturday, yeah, we're going to have an opportunity for new people yeah. that will present their music and yeah. sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you're not going to have that because, because COVID just raked the the industry totally yeah, by sure. people just barely hang, being able to hang on yeah that, a lot of the a lot of those venues that offered uh space and time to yeah. to artists experimenting with their with their music or their sound were were left in the dust so i'll tell long. you what i did this is kind of interesting if you yeah back. so i put you know couldn't get a gig so here's what i did i said yeah. you know what i walked into a um a banquet hall Walked uh -huh, into uh -huh. walked into banquet hall. The guy was super nice. Guy says, "Let's pretend we're going to have a wedding, and it's going to be a concert. Yeah, and I'll book and guarantee the seating, and we'll do a dinner and a show. And you tell me what the even point would be, and let's put a show together. Well, you know, you you want to talk about believing in yourself and rolling the dice? This thing could have cost me ten thousand dollars, and it went sideways. You know, yeah, yeah. but." enough people showed we had a great it was a, it was a great night and you know and so that's what i did but you know what mm -hmm. you can't finance people that come and see you, you can't do that it, it's got to be participating in the work. yeah so, yeah uh, so that was just you know just something but the thing that i think most performers love mm -hmm. in any genre book mm -hmm. writing and movies is something simply that somebody says that you know what you did a great job i really enjoyed it and yeah and that's what keeps that's what keeps you going that's that really does so you know in yeah. in a case like mine i just continue writing the music i continue getting it out there mm -hmm. and i enjoy it and mm -hmm. so you know that's that's where i'm coming from on this and i i absolutely am Super thankful that to have a friend like you that allows someone like me to pop on here and just you know anytime about this anytime um, you are special and and I I really think that I really think that people want new music they want to hear something new and fresh in the industry so uh, so I, I've been I've been kind of dancing around the fringes uh, with a couple of screenplays of of the the Hollywood industry the movie industry producers all say that they're looking for that unique voice something unique 
But what happens is, and, and I, I've talked with uh, tons and tons of friends in, in the film and television industry. What happens is, is the machinery of that industry, and, and this translates, I, I guarantee you, directly to the, to the music business. What, what that, the machinery of that does is it becomes a meat grinder that no matter what goes in, it's always going to be sausage coming out the other end. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. We've been sailing all day. See the ember skies above. This is where we'll stay. Drop the anchor in the still blue water of the night. Well, it's just you and me on the dream. kind of thing that in my mind takes me to an island and it takes it takes you to a place and that's that's how I write that's that's what I do words like that bring you to places like Siesta Key yeah. and and so uh, you know you mentioned another thing that gentleman that took 25 years to get the rights and everything Oh, my first uh, album yeah. was my nominated album. So uh -huh. I loved I loved that album. And, and so it's dated, but I was at three different Grammy Awards, three different places, both two in LA and one in in um in New York. Yeah. And you know, I, I met so many different people, just nice people. I mean, and and they all had the same thing in common. They believed in themselves and they, they never said no. And that's 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 Wonderful. what I got out of it. So I, I don't I don't know if you heard the conversation that I had with Clay Melton in Houston. He's a uh, twenty year old young man. I, I keep saying kid, which is kind of which is a terrible insult. Uh, but he's a, he's a young man uh, who's doing some great things. We were talking blues progressions and uh, Robin Trower and Nina Simone. Uh, so this, this kid, this kid's learning the craft, right. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about the passion that he brings to it. And, uh, and, and just like you, man, I, I just had a, a, a great conversation with a 96 year old artist, uh, Leo Seganin, who's getting ready for, uh, for a new retrospective, uh, that's going to be opening up on, on April 4, uh, 14th here in Evanston. He's still putting in six hours a day. With a broken hip, by the way. Yeah. And, and the but reason why he is is because of his passion. Yes, yes. But he's also, so, so he's, he's losing, he's losing the, the ability to, to distinguish colors, but he's got such a keen understanding of colors in his mind that he's able, he's able to go to those colors and, and visualize that. Um, so, so then he's, he's, uh, he's created a um, a shade palette and a number palette that that allows him to to uh, 
numberize the various colors. So wow. that immediately made me think of you uh, with with the issue that you you've had with with. Yeah, I'm losing. Your, I'm losing. This, yeah, not much they can do about it. But uh, I I pray that uh, you know I can't imagine that, but I pray that uh, it it stops there. Uh, yeah. But, We'll see as time goes by. Yeah. The other, the other eye strong and the other eye is okay. Okay. I, you know, I, it's it's okay. It's not doing what the right eye did. The yeah. right eye, yeah. uh, after three surgeries, there's nothing more they can do for it. So. You know that that's that's another thing, and and I've I've been more cognizant of this lately, uh, and uh, with with writing and creating some visual art. Um, time, time marches on, man. And yeah. you're either going to do this now or you're never going to do it. And, and that goes for the audience as well, that time marches on and you, you need to follow those, those people who, who are passionate about their art. You're right. You are yeah. so right. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories and I, this is the fastest hour that has ever went by in my life. So, uh, it's just, it's a pleasure talking with you about that. Oh, it's always good talking with you, Ray. But I, I tell you, I want to get together for a dinner or something. I keep saying that, but we're going to do it. We are absolutely going to do it. Let me do this, and then I'm going to stop the recording, and we can we can catch up here a little bit more personally. Uh, passion, 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 Chicago Treasure, the storyteller, Ray Grant. The website is raygrantchicago.com. Uh, this was a fast hour, man. It was. Really. Wow. I'm telling you, wow. I just look. I don't believe it. But, you know. It's always, it, always with you, brother. It, I'll tell you, it's just like, it's like I'm at your house or you're here. Maybe if you'd love me, maybe I'd have known. Maybe if we both could have been. It's about time that you listen It's about time that you start It's about time that you listen to your heart Could we have mistaken love for just a game maybe now we've learned through all the pain it's about time that you listen it's about time
17. And this cat comes to the show and tells us all these stories about blues greats he's jammed with in his grandmother's living room. Then he stayed on and became part of the show. Chip would play or sing along with various artists who performed on the show. Sometimes he'd just hang out. Chip Ratliff gave the show an air of respectability. It was a blast. He and Kerry Kendall hit it off instantly. He told us he survived a terrible bout with cancer. Chip was our inspiration. He was always, always about mending fences and finding that common good in folks. He was passionate about music, and I believe that he truly loved Carrie Kendall and me as family, just as we loved Chip Ratliff. In a red suede suit and red velour hat, he put on one hell of a show. A consummate showman. I miss you already, brother. I leave you with a song that Chip debuted on our radio show, Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. This is You Won't Hear Me. Now, we own the mission. If we go marching out, maybe you listen. Make no mistake now, the world is crying. Police brutality, another brother dying. Police brutality may be the death of me.
is a threat to justice everywhere.